What a difference a year makes. The Miami Hurricanes right now have the top graded quarterback in America. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked on Canes your first listen and your first watch each and every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked on Canes is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. There have been no exclusions for Tyler Van Dyke so far this year. TVD is off to an awesome pace this year, over 1,000 passing yards through four games, 11 touchdowns to only one interception, and he's completing 74.7% of his passes. And according to Pro Football Focus, who goes strictly by the numbers, right? There's no subjectivity here. Their algorithm is their algorithm. Their formula is their formula. You know, because if you look at a lot of like the quarterback lists that are made by human beings who, you know, don't pay a whole lot of attention to Miami and all they remember is Miami being five and seven last year and the offense being no good. You notice Tyler Van Dyke is getting left off of a lot of the quarterback top 10 lists and top five lists the ones that are made by human beings with their biases and subjectivity. If you go by the numbers and the pro football focus formula, no quarterback grades as high as Tyler Van Dyke these four games into the season. He's graded out at 94.2. That's out of 100, by the way. 94.2 grade, according to pro football focus. That is above every quarterback in the country. Here's what they wrote about Miami's Tyler Van Dyke on PFF College this week. Last summer, Van Dyke was a projected first-round pick for many draft analysts. Following a disastrous 2022 for both Van Dyke, who had a 66.8 grade last year, and the Hurricanes at 5-7, and seven, that hype died down and he returned to school. The redshirt junior is once again flashing the tools that made him such an intriguing prospect in the first place. His 94.2 grade leads all quarterbacks in the country. Van Dyke is tied for second in the nation with 13 big-time throws and has only produced two turnover-worthy plays so far. While a day-one result is unlikely at this stage, they say Van Dyke is playing well enough to garner some day-two NFL draft buzz, right? And yeah, listen, again, um, Tyler Van Dyke has always been good, right? He didn't forget how to play football last year, but he was in an offense that was all wrong and not productive. He wasn't getting pass protection. His receivers were dropping too many footballs. So you see the difference, folks. And I give Tyler Van Dyke credit because he's worked very hard to get command over the Shannon Dawson offense. But you see the difference when uh, a quarterback actually has protection and a good play caller slash game planner and when his receivers and playmakers are actually executing. You're reminded, hey, TVD can play. We forgot about it last year. We're absolutely seeing it this year. And yes, the competition is going to get tougher. Now, he did very well against Texas A&M, which was tough competition on paper. So it's not like TVD is only feasting on inferior competition. But 
we're going to learn a lot about Van Dyke, and we're going to learn a lot about Miami on both sides of the football once you kick into high gear with this ACC schedule. And I'm not completely sleeping on Georgia Tech, by the way. Like A lot of people have that penciled in as an automatic W. Miami should win that game, but Georgia Tech looked pretty good against Wake Forest, and you know Haynes King, their quarterback who used to play at Texas A&M, is off to a nice start to the season. So I think Georgia Tech has gotten a little bit better than last year. Last year, they were an embarrassment. They've gotten better. Miami's gotten a lot better, though. Miami, who beat up Georgia Tech even last year, the Hurricanes have gotten a lot better than they were a year ago. And you've got the highest graded quarterback in the entire country right now. I am opening this episode up to you guys' questions. If you want to submit questions, we usually devote at least two episodes to answering some of your questions per week. You can join our exclusive subtext SMS texting community. I include the link in the show description below if you want to sign up. Uh, you guys get one-on-ones with me on subtext. I give you breaking news, recruiting scoops, practice and game observations. Try it free for 14 days by clicking the link in the show description below. And then if you like it, you can opt in for $4.99 a month. We give you a lot of added value on there. We have a lot of questions about Van Dyke and the offense. And a lot of people are already thinking probably a little bit too far ahead on this. Uh, we get a question from Canes Hunter 69 who says, what are the chances that the NFL eligible underclassmen stay next year? And if obviously Van Dyke is one of those guys. He's an underclassman. Uh, he's a junior. Uh, if it looks like Miami could be highly ranked or could be intent, uh, in contention for the playoffs for next year, we get a similar question from Storm Life who says, hey, if we finish the season 10 and 2, get into a nice bowl game and win it, what are the chances our juniors like Tyler Van Dyke come back for their senior year to try and win a championship? Um, you know, to really try to make an educated guess on what TVD or any of these guys are thinking, JV on Cohen, like, I, I mean, who knows? They, they probably haven't given it a whole lot of thought yet. Um, we've obviously, we've seen players around the country stay in college an extra year when they didn't have to before. I mean, you know, Andrew Luck stayed at Stanford an extra year. I remember when Matt Leinert stayed at USC an extra year when he didn't have to. Like, it happens from time to time if you're trying to win something. And the other difference is right now in this era of college football compared to that previous era, you stay in college an extra year, you're making money, in some cases big money, through name, image, and likeness. So it's not like you know, you're know you staying theoretically for free. You're also getting paid. At the same time, folks, there are still advantages of striking while the iron is hot and starting your NFL career because if you can raise your draft stock up to being that of a first or a second-day pick, oftentimes you say – if I come back for another year, yeah, I can make NIL money and I could maybe win a national championship. But what if we're not as good as I think we are next year? What if I get injured next year? That's a big thing for football players. So I don't know. But to answer your questions to the best of my abilities, the better your team is, the better chance you have of keeping your sophomores and juniors who don't have to leave. That's the thing. I, I can't speak for any of these guys individually. I wouldn't blame any of these guys if they decide to make the jump to the NFL, even if the team's going to be really good next year. Uh, but the better you are, the more that increases your chances. We get this question from Tampa Lou, who says, if Tyler Van Dyke doesn't return next year, how does that affect Miami's wide receiver recruiting class? Is our current QB room enough to attract those top wide receivers? 
I, I would imagine like when you're talking about the JoJo traders and the Chance Robinsons who are already committed, guys like Nye Carr who you're trying to get or you know a guy like Ja'Cory Barney who you might be trying to flip, a guy like Jeremiah Smith who you're definitely trying to flip. Um, I would imagine these players are already thinking in terms of who the next quarterback is going to be because even if Van Dyke did come back for one year, it would only be one year for guys that are going to be true freshmen next year. So I think that these guys are already thinking in terms of, okay, how good does this Emory Williams look? Because that might be my quarterback for the next few years. He's looked really good so far. Or what about Judd Anderson, who's doing some good things at Warner Robins High School in his senior year? Or Luke Nickel, who I think is going to be, he's a 2025. I think he's going to end up probably being a high-level four-star or even five-star by the time those rankings get updated. I still think it's more about the future with these guys, but I don't know, man. I mean, if... If TVD has a great year, Miami goes 10 and 2, and he did, and I don't don't necessarily think he would, but if he did decide to come back, it definitely couldn't hurt. I'll say that. Uh, it definitely couldn't hurt as far as wide receiver recruits. But I think the receiver recruits are thinking more in terms of what's next versus what's here right now. So I think Emory Williams, Luke Nickel, Judd Anderson are the guys that they're they're really looking at. We got good questions on recruiting buzz because yeah, you notice that. You know, all these uh, all these Canes Twitter or X accounts, you know, the uh, the, the basement insiders are, are going crazy this week, trying to tweet out a lot of clues. And during the bye week, Miami's coaching staff, they are traveling all around the country on recruiting visits this week. What does the latest buzz say? And we will start looking ahead to that Georgia Tech game on October 7th. What's the greatest path to victory for Miami in that game? We've got some awesome questions from you guys. We're going to keep answering when we come back. You know what we like to say? We're only getting started, so you want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Did you burn your last piece of toast? Have your avocados gone bad? Or is the hot sauce bottle getting a little empty? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. Folks, you've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites. Now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers, too. You'll get exactly what, you'll, or what you ordered or will make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them out yourselves. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order, up to $20 value when you use code Locked on college at checkout. Limited offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked on College. Don't forget that's code Locked on College for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked on Canes your first listen. And guys, Friday, two days away, and most importantly, Friday is college football kickoff live day here on the Locked On Network. I am part of that show along with Drake Toll and Kenton Gibbs. We take you around the college football landscape covering the big games, biggest storylines, Heisman candidates, college football playoff implications. Fridays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. live right here on Locked On Canes YouTube and every college YouTube channel on the Locked On Network. So make sure you tune in live each and every Friday. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. for Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. All right, we get a question from our guy, D-Lane, who says, hey, what about the game plan for Georgia Tech? 
Do you feel offensively will be more of a ground and pound team or airing it out? Defensively, will we try to play zone and keep them in front of us or go man and keep some heavy pressure on the quarterback and running backs? For the defense, I, I still need to do more study before that game, but I would go with the latter, keeping heavy pressure on Haynes King. As far as the offense, now, um, so far, a trademark of Shannon Dawson's game planning and play calling has been balance, right? Even in the games when Miami's going crazy on the run or crazy through the air, it's been balanced. They've been able to generate big plays and key plays both through the air and on the ground. But if I look at where Georgia Tech is vulnerable defensively, the answer to that is clear. They can't stop a nosebleed when it comes to the running game. Here's Georgia Tech's record against the run so far. We'll go from most recent to start of the season. In their most recent game, a good win for them against Wake Forest, they gave up 224 rushing yards to Wake Forest. Prior to that, they gave up 299 rushing yards to Ole Miss. They gave up 196 rushing yards to South Carolina State. Not South Carolina, South Carolina State. And in their opener, they were gashed by Louisville for 227 rushing yards. So if you look at where the Yellow Jackets or the Ramblin' Wreck, if you look at where they're vulnerable, they are vulnerable on the ground. So um, I think Miami offensively, hopefully, will have success in, in both phases that your receivers are going to make some big plays, especially since Jeremiah Smith is going to be visiting that game. So you don't want to ignore the passing game. You want to show J.J. what you can do through the air, but you should definitely be able to run to set up the pass because so far, uh, Georgia Tech has been just gashed on the ground by everybody they've faced, and they haven't even faced a rushing offense as good as Miami's yet. So it can only get worse for them. So that, to answer your question, Delane, is I think where Miami can have the most success. We get a question from... Alex, who says, can you touch on all the recruiting hype and rumors this week, especially the ones surrounding wide receiver Jeremiah Smith? Yeah, you know, you, you notice that a lot of Kane's fans and even Kane's recruits are, you know, are tweeting out pictures of Kevin Beard <laughs> always working or Kevin Beard in his bag. That's Miami's wide receivers coach, of course. And, you know, JoJo Trader had made his profile picture. Uh, Kevin Beard. So it's making fail. Oh, is he doing something with Jeremiah Smith? Fans are trying to connect the dots on what might be going on there. Um, you know, with Jeremiah, there's always going to be buzz from Kane's fans and even Kane's players and recruits because you know there is a conscious effort being made to try and flip this young man to Miami, right? I mean, people are tweeting at him, posting at him constantly to try to get him to flip. Uh, and again, he's going to be at that Georgia Tech game October 7th. So I hope Miami can show him a good time at that game and a high-powered offense in that game. Uh, so, you know, is there is there some kind of a smoking gun that Jeremiah Smith is about to flip? I don't think so. Um, I, I think Miami's still chipping away at that. And I think Ohio State, I would still consider them the favorite. That's where he's been verbally committed for several months. But I know fans are trying to kind of manufacture a lot of buzz on that. Uh, but the biggest buzz over the past few days, we've covered it on the show, has been surrounding recent Georgia decommit Nye Carr. Miami is now being considered the leader to land Carr. He's a four-star slot receiver 
probably reminds Shannon Dawson a lot of Tank Dell, who was his standout slot receiver in Houston, uh, and Coach Cody Woodle, who's the the uh, recruiter for that region of the country, went out to visit him this week at his high school in Georgia. So Miami's putting in a lot of effort to try and land Nye Carr after his Georgia decommitment. And uh, Miami, they've been making a ton of, and they will be making a ton of recruiting visits this week. I know one player, this was reported by Gabby Yerudia at Inside the U, Miami is sending coaches. I know Joe Salavea will be among them to Ohio at the end of the week to watch three-star defensive lineman Francis Bruwu. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh commit. Our coaches really like him, and they're trying for a flip there. So uh, I think one of the reasons, guys, that you're seeing so much recruiting buzz this week is because it's the bye week, coaches are able to travel around the country and make more of these stops. And, you know, one thing that I think is cool is um, I, I think that Miami coaches throughout the week are going are planning on seeing every single one of the current verbal commitments in the 24 class. So not only are they going out and visiting uncommitted guys or guys they're trying to flip, they're also going out to see the guys who are verbally committed to try and make sure you get these guys, keep them locked in because, you know, none of them have signed their national letters of intent yet. They can't do that until December. So I think that's pretty cool. That's where the recruiting buzz is. Um, oh, I love this question from Derek in Nashville. And I, Derek, I put in the research on this just for you. Okay. Uh, I have now a PhD in football after doing the research for Derek. Derek in Nashville, who's an everydayer, says, Hey, I would love to know how many plays over 20 yards this year from Miami versus last year. Last year was atrocious. So, okay, plays over 20 yards, 20 yards or more, that's considered the magic number to be an explosive play. An explosive play is defined as a play of 20 or more yards. Uh, so through four games so far this year, the Miami Hurricanes already have 29 plays of 20 or more yards. That ranks them 10th in the nation right now, tied with Louisville. Louisville and Miami have the most explosive plays in the ACC right now. So 29 explosive plays in four games. In 12 games last year, this is so bad. Last year, Miami had a total of 42 plays of 20 or more yards. They ranked 114th in America in that stat. Quite a difference, right? So Miami, through four games, is only 13 explosive plays away from tying their total in 12 games last year. So that that's a huge difference there, Derek. And I appreciate the question because that's something I probably should have already known off the top of my head, but I know it now. Thanks to you asking me the question. We get a question from Senor Queso who says, Hey, given Miami's history with games after the bye week how concerned should we be that history will repeat itself against a lesser opponent in Georgia tech? Um, I don't, I don't think it, it matters because this is, such a better Miami team than the last few years. I mean, you know, this year you would have been really, really concerned about going up against teams like Miami, Ohio, or Temple. If it was last year's team, you would have lost at least one of those games to either Miami, Ohio, or Temple. It's a completely different team this year. Um, you know, I, I would be a little bit more worried maybe if this were a noon game, uh, but it's, it's a night game. We need to pack the rock and go crazy. Uh, and, you know, Miami's got that extra week to prepare for Georgia Tech. Uh, I just think the attitude overall has changed. These coaches are doing a better job. These players are more accountable. 
Um, you know, I'm all I'm respectful of the opponent. Again, I already said I don't think Georgia Tech is a pushover, but in terms of Miami's side of it, in terms of being mentally and physically prepared coming out of the bye week, that is not my concern. I think the Hurricanes are going to be fine. Uh, I don't think you can compare the attitude or the skill of this year's team to the teams of the past few years. I'm not worried about coming out of the bye week. All right. Ooh, a lot of questions coming in about the health status of guys like Zion Nelson, Trevante Citizen, Elijah Arroyo, questions about how Jakari Brown could be used throughout the rest of the year. And we got a really important question about superstition that I want to answer, because when it comes to sports, I'm a really superstitious guy. So important stuff we still have to cover. You want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Keep it locked to Jace Medical. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. They're doing such great things. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers that Jace case. The Jace case provides those five life-saving antibiotics and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Guys, we've seen this before. During the pandemic, it was difficult to get the medication you needed when you needed it. We've had supply chain shortages even since then. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And folks, if you want to take your everyday or experience to the next level, sign up to our exclusive SMS texting community through subtext. You get text messages directly from my phone to yours. Uh, breaking news, recruiting scoops, one-on-one -on -one questions. We answer you guys' questions on the show through the subtext. So sign up. Show description below. We include the link down there. Try it free for 14 days. And then if you like it, you can opt in for $4.99 a month. We give you a lot of added value on there. So try out our uh, subtext campaign. Uh, we get a question from Trey who says, Hey, do you think now that ACC play is coming, we will see the returns of Zion Nelson, Elijah Arroyo and Trevante Citizen. People ask me questions about these guys all the time. And man, I I never have a good answer for you because Mario Cristobal keeps injury situations so close to the vest. I mean, you take Elijah Arroyo, for example, this guy has basically been a game time decision for the first four games and hasn't played yet. So I, you know. Hopefully, you know, he he came off the knee injury and then had a hamstring issue in fall camp that he's recovering from. They're being very careful with him. Um, I think out of those names you mentioned, I think Arroyo, to me, feels like the most likely that he would be ready to play for the ACC opener. And boy, could Arroyo add another dimension to your passing game and to your tight end rotation. The guys who have played have done a really nice job. Cam McCormick is an excellent blocker. So is Riley Williams. Riley Williams is getting down the field, opening up holes down there. Uh, but, you know, Elijah Arroyo, when healthy, is probably the most overall dangerous tight end on the team. Uh, as far as Trevante Citizen, um, you know, Cristobal said before the season that he could be ready at some point this year. I, I don't know if we have any signs that he's going to be ready that quickly. 
And then with Zion Nelson, uh, I don't know. And then the other tricky part about that was, and you know, we get a question. Uh, I'm going to group in this question from Jeff. Jeff asks us, so what's going on with Zion Nelson? If he doesn't come back soon, will he redshirt? And if he is healthy, do you think Mario Cristobal will start him over Jalen Rivers, who's been playing well? The O-line finally has good chemistry. Do you want to mess that up? So I don't I don't know exactly where, again, I don't know where Zion is with his recovery. Um, but I will say this, Jeff, to what you were hinting at there. Um, if Zion Nelson is, let's say, ready to play October 7th and beyond, I don't think he's a starter right now. Uh, because like you said, Jalen Rivers has been playing so well at left tackle. And why would you disrupt the chemistry of your O-line just for the sake of doing it? There, there's no reason to. Rivers, you know, it's not like he's struggling. Quite the opposite. He's thriving. That entire offensive line is playing as a unit right now. So I'm with you that, you know, if Zion if Zion gets healthy, I think he comes back as a rotational piece. But I don't think you're taking anyone's starting job right now because Rivers has earned that. I know people always say one of the older cliches in football is you don't lose your starting job due to injury. But it's, it's frankly not true. It happens all the time. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we get a question from Kane across the alley who says, do you think Cristobal has maybe held Jakari Brown out so far because he's planning to use him for important short yardage situations in big games? Uh, that has that has been one of my hypothesis, Kane across the alley. Not only that, but since Jakari is more experienced than Emery, you know, because, uh, you know, you've got up to four games to play in without burning the red shirt. If Miami wants to red shirt both Jakari and Emery Williams, who can play in one more game before burning his, with Jakari being the more experienced guy, saving him as the emergency backup for the bigger games, it makes some sense to me. So that could be the way they're going with this. And then also, if Shannon Dawson has some more tricks up his sleeve that he hasn't unleashed yet, right? Will we see maybe more of Ray Ray Joseph? Will we see more of Chris Johnson? Could we see Jakari Brown in a short yardage package? That might be something that Shannon Dawson is planning to install and planning to unveil that we just haven't done yet. So I agree with your hypothesis on that. We get a question from KDQ07 who says, hey, can we discuss kickoff coverage? Is it me or doesn't it look like our kickoff coverage team just jogs down the field and sits on blocks when they get close to the ball. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't I haven't scrutinized that probably enough. So if anyone agrees with KD on that, let us know if you think he's onto something there. Uh we get a question from RVM who says, "What do you think the biggest improvement coming out of the bye week can be?" Um uh, I would say pass coverage, defensive secondary. Uh that that's one of the very few things that you can scrutinize about this team. And Listen, I think part of the reasons why they looked a little out of sync in the defensive backfield against Temple was you didn't have Cam Kinchins back there. I think Cam is another one. I expect, just my opinion, I expect Cam to be ready to return after the bye week. So I, I think uh, Miami's pass coverage, because Haynes King is off to a nice start, and then after you face you know, a, a decent Georgia Tech team, you're going to face a really good North Carolina team and an excellent Drake May the following week. So you've got to get your pass uh, coverage. Your defensive secondary has got to get on point. All right. We get a question from, I love this one, from Hater 85 who says, Dono, I live right between a Notre Dame fan and a Michigan fan. They both fly flags outside of their homes. And I wanted to do the same for my Canes. 
The problem is I'm superstitious and I don't want to jinx anything. Any thoughts you have on the matter would be greatly appreciated. Uh, yeah, Andy, I've got a strong opinion on this. Um, I am very superstitious when it comes to my sports teams. However, I see nothing wrong with flying a flag outside your home or flying a flag on your car or wearing Canes gear from head to toe every day. There's no superstition against representing your team. Now here, now ND hater, when you're talking about superstitions, the stuff that I do not like to do is make overly bold or auspicious proclamations, right? If you start arguing with your neighbors, the Michigan fan and the Notre Dame fan, if you start arguing with your neighbors and you're like, no, Miami's going to win a national title this year. Miami's going to win 10 games or Miami's going to win the ACC. When you start making bold claims, that's when the football gods want to smite you, right? If you start making bold claims about how great your team is, that's when the football gods start to get revenge and the superstition comes into play. But there is no superstition against representing your team. Fly that flag high. Now, don't, don't fly a flag that says national champs. Don't do that. But if you want to fly your Hurricanes colors outside your home uh, when you're surrounded by those disgusting Notre Dame colors and those Michigan colors, do what you got to do, ND hater. I have no superstition against that. All right, thank you guys so much. The questions were awesome. Uh, we got some additional questions we didn't get to answer today because I talked too much. We'll try to answer them on a future episode. I appreciate you guys. And yeah, the week, it's going to stay busy, my friends. We're going to have some good guests the next couple of days. Even though it's the bye week, the coverage never stops and the quality never goes down in our Canes coverage every single day. We'll talk to you next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day.